First opportunity for Bruno Fernandes with a brilliant ball and a glaring miss by Marcus Rashford. What a chance for Manchester United. Rashford has got to score. He's got to score. It's a poor, poor header. His concentration levels probably weren't there. Here's James on by Bruno Fernandes and Rashford doesn't miss this time. Well, Marcus Rashford was there in the right place at the right time to fire Manchester United ahead on Boxing Day. And for all of Leicester City's early possession, it's United who strike first to take the lead. Here's Barnes with a chance to shoot. Oh, it's a brilliant shot, an excellent goal by young Harvey Barnes, who's a wonderful talent. He's having a fantastic season. And he absolutely smashed that pass, David De Gea, to make it one all. We thought we were going to have a really good game today. This sets it up lovely. It's a good one, and it was Bruno Fernandes in the middle of it all, just flicking it wide. That's a good chance. If he just glances that and keeps it a little bit lower, that's 2-1. Breaks here for Marcus Rashford, who's in behind them. Rashford for United. Good save by Schmeichel. What a save. What a hand that is. Fabulous. Strong hand. Stays up late. Rashford's found a pocket and found the pass. Anthony Martial streaking through. 2-1 to Manchester United. Denied by the flag. Check complete. No goal. Mm, it's very tight, though, isn't it? Cavani's found a bit of space, pokes it through for Fernandez. good chance, and a good goal. Well, Edinson Cavani is off the bench to make an instant impact for Manchester United, and Bruno Fernandez scores another goal. There's Fernandez. knows where the keeper, doesn't have to look at the keeper, he wants to drill it low, keep it low in that bottom corner, really, really good finish. Perez just in behind Shaw, good cross, Barney! Equaliser for Leicester! Brilliant ball in, and Jamie Vardy with the instinctive finish to make it 2-2. It's a point of P to the King Power. Liverpool have the chance to extend their lead. It's finished Leicester City 2, Manchester United 2. Hello and welcome to the St Martins Football Show. We're on today's show, we'll be looking... On the 27th of December's fixtures, obviously the match day spreaded over two weeks. I'll be joined by Max Noonan and Lloyd Bounds. We'll start off with the early game, which was Leicester against Man United. Finished 2-2 there, I think was it secondary third at the time. Um, I suppose it was an open game, which I suppose a draw was a fair result. Rashford had a, um, a sitter in, what was it, the first 15 minutes where he should have put us ahead. We had a few great chances and then... He did eventually score his 50th Premier League goal in the 23rd minute to uh, put us 1-0 up. And then Harvey Barnes, a brilliant strike from outside the box in the 31st minute, got less the level. And then Bruno Fernandes, who, if he had the right service, probably could have got four or five and even missed the header himself that he should have scored. So it should have been more for him. Um, he scored in the 79th minute before 
um, an own goal, which was given to Axel Tunzebu, come off the bench in the 85th minute own goal um, after Jamie Vardy's shot was going wide, but it deflected off. Um, Tunzebu, Max, I'll start off with you. Fair result, draw in the end. Well, I mean, I suppose neither side really. I mean, you should probably say that you sh- you should have won it. I mean, given the chances, yeah. but I mean, you'd say you wouldn't say that it's a terrible result. You know, looking at both performances. Well, um, do you think Leicester were a bit lucky then? I suppose lucky that you didn't score your chances. Yes, yeah, you can say that fortunate. And then, as I said, Rashford had a few opportunities. One of them was that brilliant save by Casper uh, Smeichel, which was probably one of the, the saves of the season. Is Casper um, Smeichel an underrated goalkeeper, would you say, in the Premier League, um, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, I remember, I, I, I think it's the most recent game we played against Leicester. Well, you, you just save every single shot. Like, he's a very annoying keeper to play against because he just saves everything and it pulls off, like, amazing saves. Like, you said there, he has, like, a potential save of the season. Like, like I definitely think he's really underrated. I, I do think, though, like, I think every single Prem team now does have a really solid goalkeeper, though. Yeah, I probably can't this Apart from time. Sheffield, you know, probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Maybe, maybe, Rams, maybe Ramsdale is a bit... Um, of a dodgy goalkeeper but when you turn the, the crowd noise off and you hear it just like in the stadium obviously there was no fans you know anyone probably would have had a broken wrist trying to save that because the impact it had and the noise it made oh, it was it was terrible but we did have a goal so ruled out later on for Martial because he was um, offside to overall probably a fair result in the end it was the next game two three o'clock games then um <coughs> Nil-nil draw at Craven Cottage between Fulham and Stoke. Disallowed from Theo Walcott and Shane Long. Um, so I suppose Fulham did get a bit lucky there, but they did get a point in the in the end. And then Aston Villa continued their brilliant form. They beat Crystal Palace three-nil. Brendan Traore scoring again, and then Courtney Hall scoring in the 66th minute before um, MRL Garzi getting the goal in the 76th minute. Aston Villa then, they're um, two games in hand. Lloyd, they're, what, six points off the top now. Can they get a European spot this season? Well, like you said, they're, they're two games in hand. Look, they're two games in hand with six points off first. On a seven points, I think. And so, say they win that, they're literally one point off first. Out of 15 games, so it's quite insane. Like... I don't, I don't know what they've done recently. Like they were going, they were about to go down last season if it wasn't for the goal line mess yeah. But then, like Dean Smith, he's just turned into this super team. Basically, he's he's gone out, made some smart purchases, and they look, they literally look like a whole different team to last year. Like against Palace, they won three 0 Like they also had a red card for half the game, but it also looked like they could have scored about five. Yeah, like they, they play amazingly. They like I they have the most clean sheets I think, and uh, yeah. they also score loads of goals and they always look really good. Like I I don't know what they've done, but Dean Smith has completely changed them. I I I do think they could actually push for a top four place. 
Do you regret um, letting Martinez go now? Uh, I, I don't know. Because, like, I, I, I'm glad we kept Lano. I do like Lano more. But we, we saw Martinez for 20 million. And when you look at the value of other goalkeepers, like Sheffield United paid 20 million for Ramsdale. And I know Martinez, he had like half a season experience. Ramsdale's like 21. Martinez is like 28. Ramsdale has like two seasons in the Prem. But I, I feel like we could have got more for Martinez. Like, especially looking at it now, he, he has kept up that form. And he's, he is arguably the best keeper in the Prem so far. Uh, I don't regret selling him, but I do think we could go more money for him. Yeah, and as you said, Aston Villa's really impressive start is there. Um, they've won eight of their opening 13 Premier League games um, for only the <coughs> second time, which they did in 1998-99. The tally of 25 points after 13 games is their best in the Premier League for 22 years. They've recorded eight clean sheets this season. Um, already, and this one's quite remarkable, one more than they registered all of last season. <laughs> and they've done that after, what, 13 games? Um, four successive Premier League games now without conceding for the first time since February 2010. And Ollie Watkins, who um, really can't seem to score, but he is um, starting to get a few more assists now. He's failed to score in six after registering eight in his first ten um, Aston Villa performances. But as you said, um, brilliant performance. One player that has been um, excellent. We say we said this a lot, and I've held my hands up and said um, he started to impress me a lot. Is Jack Greenlet? He's been linked with Liverpool, Man United, and Man City in um, January. Max, will Jack Greenlet leave in January, or would it be a summer move? Do you think if he was to go? Definitely a summer move. There's no way he's leaving um, Aston Villa, especially to keep the form up. So yeah, I don't expect him to leave this season. Um, yeah, is is a summer move? Um, if Aston Villa do get Europa League, for example, can you still see Jack Greenish leaving his his hometown club? Because I think he's done um, 200 appearances now for them. Obviously, the team he supported, he grew up with. Um, the only team he's played for. Will he move if they do qualify, for example, the Europa League or even the Champions League? Do you think? No, I don't think. I think, I mean, I think especially Champions League, you'd definitely stay. But um, Europa League, I can see him staying. I mean, I haven't seen any concrete rumours or interest. I mean, the last time he actually looked like he was going to leave was um, a couple of seasons ago when he was on Spurs. But um, I don't, I never really seen any actual serious rumours about him leaving. Uh, and he, he doesn't really seem to express any interests recently. He, he did maybe a while ago, but recently he seems dedicated to the club. So if, if they get Europe, I, I don't really see much reason in him leaving. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. And you just got to have luck. He's won. Um, Luke Aylin of Leeds, 106 duels. One Angiza of Fulham, 107. Ollie McBurney, Sheffield United, 113. Thomas Suchek of West Ham, 120. And Jack Greenish, 123 um, duels. One as well. So he really has been a um, an important figure for um, Sheffield United. And you probably say as well that He's the, probably the most foul player still in the Premier League at the minute as well. Um, it was one game at half five then, probably the biggest game of the match week. Um, I can't believe I'm about to say best. it. But ask, yeah, Arsenal actually won a game. So I think they do deserve a, a bit of a round of applause for that. You actually did win a game. Um, but all jokes, I was a really good performance actually. Lacazette for you ahead. 
in the 35th minute was through a penalty. Granit Xhaka scored a brilliant free kick in the 44th minute before Saka, which um, it did look like a cross after. I think he did say that he was. Um, in the I, I reckon he meant well. it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, he looked after the goal, I suppose. Um, I reckon he looked up and then tried to send him more towards the goal. Yeah, okay, we might we might give him that one um, before Tammy Abraham scored a tap-in in the 81st minute and then Jorginho in the 91st minute. Um, terrible penalty, no power, no accuracy and missed another penalty. But I think it's only right to talk about Arsenal victory now. Um, it's been a while, was it the 1st of November, I think, when you beat us? Yeah. How how good is it to get one, considering the end of the last show, you said you don't have a chance against Chelsea? Uh, well, it's amazing, really. Like, uh, like, if, like, before the game, you look at our form, and you would say we didn't have a chance. You said the turnabout would probably be against, like, Brighton or something if we pulled off a win. But this game, we, we played really well. Like you said, like... Our attack was probably the, it was easily the best form of attack we've had. Like Martinelli, he just brings this intensity into the team. It's like, like he's like twenty. He's just come back from an injury. Like he's been up like three hundred days. He comes back straight away with this intensity, sprinting the entire time, and it's literally just insane. Like he did that, like. Throughout the entire game, he was just constantly sprinting his fans. He completely changed how we play. And then, like, Xhaka played so well. Like, some of the balls he was playing were so good. Lacazette played really well. Smithrow also had an amazing game. And I'm really glad that we did, because Arteta finally did what a lot of people were saying. Like, uh, he did play the youth. He did rotate a bit more. Like, he put Smithrow on the side. He put Martinelli straight in. And it, it, it worked out really well. And I really hope going into like going into the next games against Brighton and then West Brom, and I think we have Newcastle in the in the cap as well. I really we, hope they start to play the youth a bit more. Yeah, it was a um, really good performance, and we'll talk about the the cap later, the League Cup. But were you surprised about how? Um, obviously, you said Martinelli's been injured. I think he played um, for the U under twenty threes against Wimbledon the other day in the. The EFL Trophy or the Papa John's Trophy, um, whatever it's called. Um, but obviously he started the game. I don't think he's played this season for for the senior team in the Premier League. And Saka obviously he's done really well. But Smith Rowe come in. Obviously he hasn't been really around the Arsenal first team. I think was he on loan at Huddersfield last year. Yeah, so he did really well there. Probably before the starting lineup, were you surprised by um, probably Smith Rowe and Martinelli starting as well? And how impressed were you that Arteta took that gamble to drop the likes of, um, you know, put Aubameyang on the bench? Obviously, he has been injured, but was it? Were you impressed by how how much of a gamble Arteta took and a risk he took? Uh, yeah, uh, I am quite surprised. Like, uh, you can easily see him sign like Ceballos over Smithrow, and then like a Pepe over Martinelli, but he didn't. He went out with a youth, which like. Like, we've obviously had a huge string of bad results. Something needed to change. And, like, I always believe in Arteta. I think he is the man for the job. And, I, I, like, I, the only criticism I had of him was that he was sticking with, like, Willian, Ceballos, just these players which aren't working. It, but he completely, like, fixed that. 
he rotated and played some youth as well, which is so much better. Because they, they actually they actually wanted to win. Like it looked like they actually wanted to win. They played for the club. Like these are players who've come to our academy, like been with us for ages. Like I think Saka joined this when he was like ten or something. Like they've been with us ages. They love the club and they fight for the badge, which is exactly what we need. Because your players are like Willian, it's like he clearly isn't going to fight for the badge. He's come here. He's on about one hundred fifty thousand a week, and it's because he has a restaurant in London and he doesn't want to move away. Like. These are the players we need to play instead. I really hope going into our next game against Brighton that he doesn't instantly go back. Okay, we're going to play David Luiz, Willian, Pepe. I really hope he sticks with this. It, it will be inter- really interesting to see what he does because you still have Pierre Emerick Aubameyang on the bench. So, so which one of the attackers are you going to try and displace? How are you going to try and fit him in? And I, I think it'll be really interesting. But I really hope, I really hope this is actually the turning point especially going into the January transfer window as well. Yeah, one player that has come in, and I've I was being surprised at him. I think he was on loan in, in Egypt, his own country last year, or was it Turkey, I think you yeah, said Turkey. before. Um, Al Nani, obviously, he performed really well in the Community Shield. Um, he should have scored a, a goal um, earlier, I think, in the second half when he hit the, was yeah, it the bar the or the bar. post at the bar. Um, you, well, you should have scored about seven or eight, really. How impressive um, has our nanny been? And is it a surprise that um, Arteta's starting to start him a bit more, bring him off the bench, considering a lot of Arsenal fans, including yourself, said in the transfer shows that he wouldn't be surprised if he left? Well, he went on loan to Turkey, to Besiktas, and like, he came back with this new confidence. Like before, you'd watch him. He'd constantly play like... A 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 performance. Like, nothing too good, but nothing too bad. He does his job and he does it well. But the criticism of him was, you know, he's passed sideways or backwards. But he went to Turkey and he found this, he just found this confidence. Like, he, he didn't, he stopped passing backwards and sideways at that time. He started passing forwards a lot more and playing these long balls and nice passes. And it's completely changed his game. Like, I do really like him in the midfield. Like, I, I, we definitely shouldn't be playing him in the long term. Because like he, he clearly isn't like uh, the highest quality of player, and he's an area we need to upgrade. But he actually plays for us. He has a great engine on him, and and he's really good at his job as well. Like I, we should upgrade him, but he has played really well for us. And I'm really glad that Arteta does start him because he's been with us since 2015, I want to say, and he, like he's just quite a tidy player. Yeah, we're going to um, uh, move on before we talk about Chelsea. Um, as you said, you really, obviously, I think you are still 15th, but you are to gain two points on the relegation zone. You probably maybe got out of the, starting to get out of the relegation fight now, especially if you can put a few um, wins together. Now, a few players that um, we've talked about off here as well. Julian Brandit, you've been linked with, obviously. Um, Borussia Dortmund and Germany um, midfielder. I think he had he scored one goal and one assist in 22 games for Dortmund um, so far this season. He's a um, 24-year-old attacking midfielder, and that's according to the Athletic. Can you see that one happening, Lloyd? Uh, I, I think I, I think I can. Like you've seen, we've been linked with a lot of players recently, but like uh, quite a lot, quite a lot of reports have actually picked up on this brand link. So I do think this one is actually true. And like he is the profile we need. Like you said, he has had quite an underwhelming season at Dortmund. They have also played him quite 
quite wrong and he has been out of form. Like, if you look at his form for, like, Leverkusen and, like, his first season at Dortmund and in the 2018 World Cup, I think, like, he did... Yeah. Like, he did amazingly. Like, if we can get him to find that form, it would be amazing. And I think we would be able to. Like, it'd be a great sign-in, relatively cheap. He's, like, 25, I think, 24, 25. Entering his prime. Like, it'd be amazing. And, like, he comes here. And we we arguably have the best number 10 of, like, the past whatever. Like, of the decade. Like, we have Mezzatoes of him to learn off. Like... Like that would that would be the dream. Like like I know Kai Havertz. He says like he idolizes Ozil, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brandt doesn't either. Because it's a, a German number ten. Like I I I'd love him here. I I think he's exactly the player we need. Uh, like you do have the risk of will he adapt properly? Because you see like Kai Havertz again. Like he did he did amazingly for Leverkusen. And then it comes over here, and it like yeah, he doesn't really hit the ground running. But I, I, I think he is the type of player we need to take the risk on. A bit older than Havertz as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit more, a bit more mature actually. Uh, I, I do think we need to take the risk. Before we talk about um, new arrivals, this emerged today as um, we filmed this on the Monday that, um, according to some reports, especially in Italy, that you've offered um, a loan deal for Mesut Ozil to Juventus. Is that a deal you can see happening? Uh, I can't see Ozil going anywhere. As much as I'd love him, uh, love to get his wages off the books and whatever, uh, I just can't see it happening. Like, uh, we've tried constantly for probably the past year, year and a half. And he says every interview he does, he wants to stay in London. And it makes sense. He's been here like nine years. Like, he obviously has house, family, everything. And he's on loads of money. There's no reason why he should leave. And I think there is actually a growing chance that he gets registered in in January, and I'd love to see that happen because it would really fix the creativity problem. But I, 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 I don't think he's going anywhere, even if he gets game time or not. Yeah, it was. It would be a six-month loan, and it was um, to help the wages to make a um, a deal happen. So they were trying to, I think, split the wages, possibly um, 50-50. But back onto the um, incoming send one that has also a mid face, Tarky Lamperty. Um, obviously, we talked about him last week. Um, brilliant right back, Brighton. Um, right back. He was at Chelsea when he was a youngster. He's only 20 years old. Um, you, Man City, and Bayern Munich have all been linked with him, um, especially if, if Hector Bellerin leaves, which um, looks like he is going to go to the Barcelona for about 22 million, 25 million in. Um, when you include add ons, Tarkley Lampsy, one you could see happen in January or the summer. Uh, I, I'm not sure really. Like he's only just gone to gone to Brighton, and I think they'll probably want to keep him for a bit longer. But uh, like, he's he's a really attacking player, and the criticism of Bellew and everyone else is he's not good defensively, and it doesn't really make sense to me selling selling Bellerin and then buying a more attacking fullback when you complain that Bellerin can't defend. I I do, I do only think it makes sense, and I think we should focus on other areas really. Like another white centre back would probably be a better option if we don't want to play William Saliba. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to see him here because he is amazing, but I'm not sure if it's really what we need now, and I'm not really sure if Bellingham will go. Yeah, as I said there, and then one possible um, incoming is, um, which I think would be a great signing for you, is Vincius Junior from 
Um, Real Madrid, obviously, I think they signed him for about 50 million um, a few summers ago from Flamingo in in Brazil. He hasn't really been um, living up to probably the expectation that Real Madrid may have expected from him. Um, obviously, a Brazilian winger as well. Would would that be a a good signing and a realistic signing? Do you think could happen in January? Uh, I, I, he'd be he'd be an alright signing. We don't really need him at the moment. Like, like his recent form hasn't really been the best because he hasn't been able to finish up on the back of the net. And something we've really been struggling with for the past 10, 10 games, we haven't been able to score. So buying a really inconsistent winger who can't finish, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Hey, he is quite a good player. I, I, I don't really want him here, though. And, and three outgoings that could happen. We talked about Hector Bellerin there. Mustafi to Barcelona. Um, I think one of them was... It's just just gone now. Maitland-Niles to Atletico Madrid. They want him to replace... Um, obviously, 23. One was sold him to Wolves for, what, 25 million. Um, they want him to replace Kieran Trippier, who's been banned from football for um, 10 weeks. Them too likely to happen, do you think? Trippier to um, Maitland-Niles to Atletico Madrid and... Mustafi to Barcelona? Uh, I think Mustafi might happen because there's been a lot of genuine links there. And it, like, it does kind of make sense. Like, yeah, he's not the best defender. But he's really good for Valencia. He's La Liga proven. He's cheap and he's a quick fix. He's like exactly what Barcelona need. And it makes perfect sense. We want to get rid of him, obviously, as well. And then with Naylor Niles as well. I, I, I'm not really sure. So I think in the uh, in the summer, Arteta convinced him to stay. Like he convinced a lot of players to stay, Arteta in the summer, and I, I'm not really sure how many of them were a good decision. Uh, I I I think he probably will leave because he's got no game time. I'm not really sure we'll go. I just hope we get a decent amount for him because he is very versatile, young, English, homegrown. Like he has a lot going for him. Do you think he will? You will if he does go. You'll be able to get the twenty-five million that I think Wolves are um, close to signing him on deadline day. Actually, um, for twenty-five million, do you reckon you can get that twenty-five million that Wolves offered, or even more? Uh, probably not more. I think it will probably be around the twenty, twenty-five million. And I, I, I wouldn't really complain. Like he, he's came to our academy, so it, it'd be great business if we got rid of him for around that. I think I, I just don't really like him as a player. Yeah, I think um, probably is is a youngster as well, and um, I think has he played for England recently as well? I think he's played in a few friendlies yeah. um, a few months ago as well. But you know, I suppose um, be interesting to see what does happen in. Um, of course, January with Arsenal and several other um, transfers. But moving on to Chelsea then, um, obviously one hand Max, brilliant performance from Arsenal. Chelsea, a, a poor performance on on the other. Um, obviously, Rhys James give away probably a stupid foul that was probably 100% um, a penalty as well. Okay, it might have been a bit of a minimal contact. It is a penalty. It, it, was, it was a penalty as well. Um, I suppose, you know, there are some plus size um, stats as well. Tammy Abraham's 85th minute goal at the Emirates on Boxing Day was Chelsea's first shot on target in, in, in the match as well. He's now scored 21 goals since the start of last season, more than um, double the tally of any other Chelsea player. And Jorginho has missed three of his last six penalties for the club. 
having scored um, his opening eight in all competitions. Obviously, he missed one against Liverpool and then um, Cranistor in the Champions League. Um, before we talk about that Jorginho penalty, how poor were Chelsea, Max? I mean, pretty terrible. I mean, they've shown moments of, um, you know, we, we started to doubt them in the last couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, no, this is actually, it was kind of a terrible performance, seeing as, you know, how confident Chelsea fans and people were just generally uh, that Chelsea were going to win this game. Yeah, and we all said last week that um, probably Chelsea were favourites, but that Jorginho penalty then, obviously, as I said, no power. Um, there were a lot of um, talks saying that Timo Werner would now become their um, new penalty taker, obviously. I think he took one against, two against Rennes when they beat him at home in the the Champions League, obviously, he has, he's gone 10 games without scoring the longest strike for more than um, four years, just before he was at Leipzig. Were you surprised that Jorginho stepped up, not Werner? Uh, was Werner taken off the pitch at half-time? Or am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah, Werner was subbed at half-time. So I think that probably probably explains it. Uh, I, I am quite surprised, though. Someone like, someone like Tammy Abraham doesn't step up to him. I'm, I'm not sure what his, what his record is like. But like you can clearly see that it's like for Jorginho, it hasn't really been working recently. Like he missed against Allison, and now he's missed against Leno as well. Like I think there's probably like a different pen taker in the team. The Vienna is definitely the option because he was he's, he's a fantastic player. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think Abraham earlier in the season I think he wanted to take a penalty, didn't he? But yeah. um Lequeta took took him off him really sensible decision probably as a captain, and I think. Um, I think he, was it Jorginho I think actually did score it in the end or it might have been Werner um, scored in in the end so possibly Abraham as the future penalty taker but I'd probably take if I was Frank Lampard now or Chelsea coaching staff maybe take Jorginho off it for a bit and give him um, some time he's a good penalty taker he just hasn't really been doing it um, for Chelsea Max do you expect Chelsea to strengthen in January now um, possibly Declan Rice who they've been linked with in the summer now they're, they're linked with him again in January for about 50 million and is that a, um, a deal that could happen or is there any others you think could happen I mean you'd expect them to to, to find somebody seeing the form that they're in but I mean they've spent so much money already they've there's been some links and probably None of them expected to to be needed so soon, but um, I'd probably say. Uh, well, I mean, it's difficult actually. I mean, seeing as how many how how many positions they've strengthened in, but probably maybe a centre back you'd look at potentially. There's a lot of players. I think lots of players they need to offload. Me really, you know, like um, the Christensen, the Rudigers that I think they'd probably feel that they could get upgrades on. But um, I mean, I, I'd imagine lots of the signings that they could potentially bring in rely on the players they get they get out the door because. They spend so much money already, they'll need to fund some signings. So, yeah, probably centre-back, I'd probably say they're in most need of um, at the moment. Because really, on paper, that squad is, is very strong. So I can't really think of where they need to strengthen. I think it's maybe just the tactics or the confidence of the players that really have uh, taken the toll on them at the moment. At the moment. If Declan Rice did go for 50 million, um, Lloyd, is that a good value, the West Ham value him at? Or would you say he's worth less or more? Or is that a uh, good value from West Ham? I, I think it probably is quite a good value because he has a lot of Prem experience. He's still young. He's got England experience. Uh, I, I, I can see him going to Chelsea just because, like, 
like especially after the amount they said they spent last year uh, I, i'm not really sure if this is what it what they need but they're already hesitant to, to spend a lot of money so yeah you talked about their max chelsea possibly offloading um a few players i think marco uh, marcus alonso is valued at 12 million um, he's been linked with Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid, that's according to Eurosport, but he, the left-back is likely to join, um, obviously, the Serie A team Inter Milan, but as I said, Atletico were interested. Now, he's been um, going to go on to Inter Milan for a minute. Um, a lot of talk, obviously, with Christian Outs, and we'll talk more about that with possibly Tottenham now. Are there any um, players starting off with Inter Milan we could possibly look out for that they could be signing, do you think? Um, I mean, We've seen them be fairly active in the transfer market the last couple of years. And um, Alonso would definitely be on theme for the, all the Chelsea players he's brought to the uh, San Siro. But um, I think, uh, you know, the, a couple of different uh, targets are, are reported by uh, Gisetta is uh, Renato Sanchez, which Liverpool have also uh, been interested in. So it would be interesting to see you know, where he chooses to go because he's been he's kind of revived his career at Lille. Um, after being so disappointing, after going to Bayern Munich. Um, Jovinia, which I see as kind of unlikely, but uh, and then Paredes from uh, PSG, which I think would be a good signing. I think he is a, he's a good player. Um, but um, I think, obviously, they're going to be trying to offload Christian Eriksen. So I think you know a midfielder would be a good place to look to strengthen um, after you know kind of a disappointing flop. He's been so. I mean, a creative, creative player in the midfield, and I think Paradise is a good, is a good pass on him, and I think it would be a good option. Yeah, is Jovino at Parma now? Is that right in Italy? Have I got that right? Is it Parma? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. is, is that now? Um, is there any? Just quickly before we move on, is there any? Um, you know, big moves that could happen in in Italy involving the likes of us? You said Juventus, AC Milan, or Napoli to watch out for. Oh, well, Napoli. Uh, are interested in um, uh, again Chelsea Emerson Palmieri uh, left back who's kind of been I don't think he's really shown promise at any point really he's been kind of a total total flop of signing and then Virginia uh, Firpo who joined Barcelona uh, I think last season for quite a big fee from uh, Betis who's also been a disappointment which is kind of a it's kind of which is kind of sad because he was so excellent he's a very good young prospect too and I think. He hasn't really been given an opportunity at Barcelona to prove himself. So I think Italy would be a good place to go next. Um, obviously, Emerson played there before. I think Roma he was at before he went to uh, Chelsea. So, yeah, I think Italy would be good moves for both these players. Yeah, and one um, one striker that's been linked with possibly Italy, AC Milan and Juventus has been linked, Diego Costa. Now he's set to leave Atletico. Um, I think he's out of contract this season and it's not looking likely that um, he's going to stay at the end of the season, but Atletico want to get rid of him in January. Is AC Milan and Juventus a possible realistic move for him and a good move? Yeah, I think AC Milan would be a good move for him. Um, he's an older player when they've kind of looked to bring in younger players, obviously his last time being the exception. Um, I think, you know, a good backup striker option. He definitely, uh, he's definitely got a lot of quality and he, I think he would help them a lot. Um, Juventus, you could potentially see it with um, a Dybala a departure uh, on the cards but um, obviously they brought in Morata so I don't know whether the striker is what they really need maybe more of a creative midfielder they're interested in bringing in but um, yeah no I think Diego Costa although he's you know obviously a bit old now I think he's definitely got 
a lot more to give. And I think AC Milan, I'd probably ZC is more likely as they kind of more in need of that kind of player. But you could definitely give a club quite a big boost uh, if he joins in January. And um, Edward as well, Celtic or Arsenal were linked with um, Zorso, um subject to interest from Juventus or AC Milan. That's according to um, Calcio Mustato, is it? Um, Italian Italian newspaper there um, as well. But as I said, poor performance from um, Chelsea. I think ooh, they got Aston Villa in um, the next game week as well. Yeah. So be open to to bounce back from that. But you know, credit you, credit you. Brilliant performance from um, from Arsenal as well. And as I said, you don't you haven't risen in the um, the table, but you have got clear of the relegation zone, which is still quite remarkable. We're talking about. Arsenal in um, a relegation zone, but if you do get a few um, wins together, you, you probably, I think you'll stay up anyway. You're too strong to go down, but um, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then there was one more game on Saturday, two more games, sorry, both at the same time. Man City beat Newcastle two 0 Ikai Gundogan scored in the 14th minute, and Ferran Torres actually scored. Um, a Premier League goal this time in the 55th minute. Obviously, he tends to score in the, the Champions League and he's been really good for them um, so far. I think he's their joint top scorer on um, seven goals. Now, have you been surprised on how well Torres has done, Max? Because uh, Mr Lopez said that when he signed in the, the transfer shows that he was a really good um, signing for Man City and one player that excited him. Have you been impressed on what he's brought to Man City, obviously without Aguero and Jesus? Um, I've definitely been impressed. I'm not sure if I'm surprised or not. Maybe I was kind of expecting him to be less involved, but seeing as the injuries have kind of called upon him, I mean, he's been playing kind of, he's been kind of, Pepper's kind of been playing numerous wingers at strikers, so he's kind of been changing it up. And um, Torres is one of them, and I think he's he's done very well. I mean, I always kind of recognised how much of a, a good signing it was. It was a, a good, I mean, a good price seeing as Man City were the ones doing the signing. So, um, I know I think he has a great potential and um, I'm not entirely surprised he's doing so well. He was kind of playing uh, at a struggling Valencia side last season and he did fairly well there. Um, kind of underwhelming, but I think that entire side was relatively underwhelming last season. And now he's at a at a still somewhat struggling, but you know, a club whose fortunes are a little bit better, he's definitely able to prove himself and hopefully just become a fully fledged player that can, uh, you know, hopefully bring Man City back to where they were a few years ago. Yeah, and for Man City, then obviously that win against Newcastle means Pep Guardiola has scored more than once for only the third time in 12 league matches now, which is, um, you know, obviously it hasn't been a, a good start for Man City as well. I think it's still their lowest points tally of 26 after 14 matches for for 10 years as well. But it is quite remarkable. I think they're up to fifth now. They've gone from 10th to fifth within um, two games. Up. They've kept 13 clean sheets in all competition this season, more than any other team in um, the top European leagues as, as well. And Raheem Sterling scored 96 goals and assisted 54 under Pep Guardiola, a team high of 150 goal involvements um, during during that time as well. And I think the best stat probably from that is every time Ferran Torres has scored um, a goal, I think it is Man City have um, got a 100% record as soon as um, Torres has scored, which isn't a bad stat, I suppose. Um, but like Max said, he has 
he's done all right because obviously Jay Zeus has um, got coronavirus now and Carl Walker has got um, coronavirus now. So obviously Aguero is starting to ease back in. Um, Jay Zeus hasn't been hot and cold. I think he had, um, we'll talk more about the Arsenal game, but I think he had a, a brace on the other day, didn't he? Because he had um, he had a tooth problem or, or something along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had like a gum shield on. Something along the lines of, of that as well, but you know, I suppose it it is a good um a good backup to have. So uh, as I said, there uh, obviously Man City, um you know, d- despite all the these victories and and clean sheets again. Now I think it's um was it 13 clean sheets they've kept in all competitions this season, the most by any team in the the top five European league, which is obviously impressive on its own. But it is the I think was it the lowest tally after um, 14 matches with 26 points they've had in um, for 10 years as well. And this um, against Newcastle, Pep Guardiola's side has scored more than once for only the third time in um, 12 games, which is obviously another another the stat we'd expect with Man City considering you know they tend to against teams like Newcastle and Burnley like they did and, and smaller teams less. They tend to be hitting teams for for six, five nil, or, or four nil as well. So it is quite surprising, um, you know, the Man City really haven't been getting the goals. But one player that has been in in form is Raheem Sterling, ninety six goals and fifty four assists under um, Pep Guardiola, a team high of one hundred and fifty um, involved. more than, than any other player. And the stat about Ferran Torres is um, then that he had Man City have a 100% record in all seven games, which um, Ferez, Ferran Torres has, has scored in as well. There was one more game on um, Saturday night, which was between Sheffield United and Everton. Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing up against his old team. Um, I don't think it was a shot on target till the 80th minute through Gilfrey Sigerson when he scored and then Sheffield United piled on the pressure late on. Um, Arlene McBurney had a brilliant chance as well with the last kick of the game where he just come up to him and it was a bit of a volley really right in front of goal um, and he just put it wide. But again, it was no end product for Sheffield United. Um, Lloyd, we talked about Everton at the start of the season, how well they were doing. Um, you know, they were towards the top of the league, if not top, and then they started to fade out at a bit of a dip. Now they're starting to come back in form. Like Aston Villa then is um, a European spot, a Europa League or possibly a Champions League spot realistic for, for Everton, considering it's a crazy season? Uh, I, I think they could possibly get Europa League or, or something like that. But I, 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 I don't think they will. Uh, I don't think they'll get top four. Like they've had this really good start, and like they are second in the league at the moment, and doing really good form as well. But I think they've they've decently hard fixtures coming up soon, and like they've been missing key players as well. It's it's a weird situation because like they've been getting the results, so why why wouldn't they get like, <laughs> their top space? I I just don't really see it happening. No, but I suppose, you know, you got one end Everton in was it second now and then you got Sheffield United who's struggling um towards the bottom as well. And we talked about them that they do need to improve, um, especially in um January and then it was four games on Sunday at a feast, literally one game and then another game straight after. Twelve o'clock Leeds beat Burnley one nil. 
Um, Patrick Bamford scored a penalty after five minutes, and then Burnley uh, Elam Meslier was um, apparently fouled by um, I think was it Ashley Barnes, and then Ashley Westwood put it a um, brilliant strike on on the turn and smashed it in. Was it a um, a goal for you, Matt? Well, um, I suppose. I mean, I haven't seen it very often. I've seen it once, but, but um, I mean, I suppose if you really go into it, you could maybe say no. But I mean, I'd say probably, uh, I'd probably say no. Yeah, it's kind of Barnes. I think he he did a he did a similar thing against um, against Spurs. He, he elbowed uh, Alderweireld in the face. I think it was. So yeah, no, I think it's just a not a goal. Was it a penalty for Leeds um, the Bamford scored, Lloyd? Uh, I, I, I haven't really seen it, but I, I do think it is, yeah. Uh, it's interesting as well that Matez Klitsch didn't take it either. Uh, yeah. I think I think last season what they did was Bamford would take him, and then when he missed one, Klitsch would take him. If he missed one, Bamford would start taking it again. And I think they're doing that again, which is quite interesting. It was a bit of a thingy for me because I both had Klitsch and Bamford in the fantasy as well. So either way, hopefully they they would score as well. But one player that really has in, um, impressed me as well this season is Elan Meslier, obviously France under-20 goalkeeper. Um, how good has he been, Lloyd, considering was he only 20 years and 300 days old? Um, they were relying on, on Casilla last year who they brought in from Real Madrid and then he had a... Um, a ban and then they brought in or Elan Mesley was second choice and he started and he's done really well in the Championship and the Premier League how good has he been? Uh, he's literally done amazingly like amazing like he looks really good he's so yeah now, I, I do see a top club moving in for him quite soon it's because uh, he's been amazing so far he's so young and like uh, like Leeds I haven't exactly had the best defence like if you look at the, the like statistics they face like the most shots and they're like, most shots on target. Like, but you know, fair play to him. He has been really good and he's so young as well, coming over from France. He's done such a good job. Yeah, and as I said, it's a brilliant, um, brilliant win for Leeds. And then it was one more. Uh, the next game then was West Ham against Brighton. Um, finished two-two there. Um, obviously we talked about Brighton possible relegation candidates, but. You know, I think maybe they're just floating above above water at the minute, I suppose. In um, some sense, as well, it's just frozen um, the goal scorers now um, as well. But before, before I get all that up, were you impressed by how well Chris, uh, West Ham come back um, Max considering obviously they did it against you? And I suppose it wasn't their best performance against um, Brighton, but they did manage to come back and get a point. Well, obviously, like you said, they did it against us and I wouldn't necessarily be surprised there were a lot of fight in them and there were a lot of passion in them and um, especially against the Brighton side which isn't necessarily uh, you know the greatest defensively just um, generally I'm, I'm, I'm you know I think it's kind of to be expected from a West Ham side that has looked really good this season yeah, was on as I said, Neil Morpé scored in the 44th minute just for half time, and then Ben Johnson, um, I think it was his first Premier League goal, or I think I might be wrong, and that scored in the 60th minute, and then Lewis Dunk scored a, a goal that I think should have been ruled out because I agree with David Moyes. If it hit your hand, oh, it's terrible. As to the law, it should it shouldn't have been given, and there's a straight part as well. 
yeah, there, there was a shirt, but it was a good finish when on on the turn and smashed it in. But it shouldn't have shouldn't have counted, and VR needs to be more um, consistent. And then Thomas Suchak got his goal in the 82nd minute. He seems to always be um, scoring at the minute. Is he one player that is a bit underrated? Would you say, Lloyd Suchak? Uh, I, I I do think so. Like he's very good defensive midfielder, and then obviously there's a great header on him as well. And he has he has actually provided lots of good goals like that for West Ham, lots of crucial goals. And he's been a really good player this season. I think I think he'd be really be a really good fit for Man United as well. Like they do need to like other defensive midfield position. I think he does fit really well. Yeah, I think he scored against us the other day as well. Um, but you know, I suppose he was a um. It was a good result for um, Brighton, and obviously a point against the West Ham team that was doing well. Okay, they shouldn't have, probably should have not even got a point, but um, that VL goal, I suppose, it is a point to to keep them above the relegation zone a bit longer. Then it was probably surprise of the weekend, um, or one of the surprises with the weekend of um, Arsenal beating Chelsea, but more importantly, West Brom got a point away at Liverpool at Anfield. Um, Liverpool scored after 12 minutes through Saudi Omane, and then um, West Brom equalised in the 82nd minute through Sami Ajari, who used to play for another player that played for Cardiff and scoring a, a crucial Premier League goal. Obviously, Bobby Reid did it for Fulham a few weeks ago, now Ajari is doing it. Um, for West Brom, I think you said he was um, at Arsenal as well, didn't you, Lloyd? Yeah, Arsenal Academy. Yeah, as well, but um, brilliant finish. Um, I think what did they have? Twenty-two percent possession. Um, you could say they could have won it because Allison made a, a brilliant save from Carlo Grant in the um, the second half as well. But uh, <laughs> did West Brom deserve a point, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, they deserved a point definitely. Like. They did what everyone was expecting them to do. Liverpool really didn't, really didn't like try and actually break them down. They didn't really prepare for it. Even though I think everyone knew that this was what was going to happen. West Brom parked the bus, long ball, and it just put a really was a good performance. Really, and like I, I, they did definitely save the point. Yeah, as well. Obviously, um, what was it Sam Sam Allardyce ball? They um, caused it as well. Was, was trying to get out and a twenty-two percent possession. They started up with a two-seven-one formation with seven um, right wingers, which I've never seen, not even on FIFA before. So it was the ultimate um, part of the bus tactic as well. But you know, I suppose it was a good performance, and it was a bit of a joke. And I said this at the start of the. The season, people said it was a three-horse title race between Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool and none of them could beat West Brom. And then the outsiders, Man United, Everton and Tottenham all have. Obviously, I think you got them in a, um, a few weeks as well. But, you know, I think West Brom, a bit of a, a dodgy team. Do you expect them to do what they did against um, Liverpool and part the bus and they come on to them, Lloyd? Or will they go out attack? Because I think... It might be a bit of a um, a bit of an incentive for Arsenal, really, considering what Sam Aldai said on Christmas Eve, just for Christmas Day, about um, that Arsenal are definitely in a, um, a relegation fight and possibly could go down. Is that going to um, you know inspire the Arsenal players a bit more now? Do you think? Uh, I hope so. The West Brom are definitely just going to sit back and defend. And like against Spurs, when they sat back and let's have the ball, we did horribly. Like we can't break down a low block at all. 
So I think we will really struggle against them. I think we need players, the players like Martinelli um, uh, in the team, and like a Bakayo Saka will obviously play. And I do think we really need them, like an Emil Smith Rowe as well will really help break them down. Uh, I, I think we will really struggle, but I do really hope we get a point at least from it, because it is it will be like a big three points if we do win. I know it's weird to say against West Brom, but like like it's the it's the next game we have after Brighton. So it'll be quite crucial to our form. And it is a win you need to get, really. Yeah, as I said, they're 22% possession. Some of the stats are remarkable. Accurate passes in the first half. Jordan Henson, 85. Curtis Jones, 49. Fabino, 46. Trent Alexander-Arnold, 46. And West Brom, 46. Who was <laughs> definitely <laughs> Allardyce ball. Um, it was one, as you said, it was the... The ultimate part, the best tactic, and I think Sam Allardyce remains unbeaten at, against Jurgen Klopp in the Premier League. Anfield was it played for one one and drawn um, three. But one player I think has been impressive the past few games for Liverpool. Obviously they have had uh, the injury concerns. Max is Jordan Henderson. Has he um, impressed you in the past few games? Considering he has been, um, well, he scored last time out. He's been. Um, creating quite a lot of chances as well for the for Mino Salah and Mane. Has he, has he impressed you the past few games? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think he's impressed me. I mean, I don't really think he ever has any poor performances, but um, particularly the last couple of games, he's been excellent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing more to say. He's, he's always he's very consistent. He's a great leader. I think he's always valuable. He's always you know gives everything he can to the team. Yeah, he also got second place in um, BBC Sports Personality of, of the Year as well. And Liverpool won Team of the Year for 2020. Jurgen Klopp won um, Coach of the Year in in the BBC Awards as well. So um, definitely been a, um, a success at, at Liverpool as well. But, you know, Liverpool a poor performance. Jamie Carragher said um, that they need to strengthen in January, especially defensively. Do you agree with him there, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I definitely think they do. I think John Matip came off last night. Uh, I think like that'll obviously be a huge loss to him, especially considering all the other defensive injuries there. I think they do need to buy another centre-back. Yeah, so I think obviously um, they've had a, a lot of injuries, but you know, we still put them favourites for the title, would you say both? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it was as you said, brilliant point for um, for West Brom, and then it was one final game then to end off the match week, um, and that was between Tottenham and Wolves. Tottenham went ahead through um, what was it, 57 seconds through Nondon Belly, and then um, they couldn't hold on for the 89th minute um, before Roman CA scored a, a bullet of a header, John Terry style, to get the point. Max, we said off here. Um, that probably you should have maybe scored a, f- a few more goals in, within that 89 minutes. Uh, um, me and you described you were, should have obviously scored more. You had the chances, but Son wasn't firing, Kane wasn't firing. What went wrong, really, not to get a three points? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of a mix of everything. You, you rely so much on Kane and Son, but they're especially in the team that he played, there isn't very many other people who, who will get the goals for you. Obviously, Endobelli did on the day, but um, you need to kind of bring on more goal threats as opposed to he kind of just brought on players to, to, to just defend more. Obviously, he brought Bergwijn on, but again, I think maybe if Bale is somebody you kind of need to bring on, I don't even, I'm not even sure he was on the bench, but he, um, 
you know somebody who can finish the, finish the chances and I think he's kind of used Bale as kind of a more of a poacher really which is I think is kind of his greatest attribute and his strength that he's shown I suppose uh, so far so you kind of um again it's not being afraid to um attack is kind of what Spurs need to do and they kind of retreat and start defending uh fairly early on when they realistically they should look to score more before they actually go and do that and um it is sort of a personnel issue, but it isn't really because the team is definitely good enough to be winning games like this. It's just kind of the approach and kind of the game management of when to um, start, you know, retreating and defending. Yeah, and as you said, then on Dombelli shot after 57 seconds was the earliest Premier League goal um, scored from outside the box since Kennedy netted after 39 seconds for Chelsea v Norwich in March 2016. Um, as you said, then Christian Eriksen looks likely to leave um, Inter. Um, Tottenham being linked with possibly signing him back. Do you think you will sign him back, and do you want him back at Tottenham? Uh, no, I don't think we will. Um, I wouldn't hate having him back. Obviously, having a creative player is you know valuable, but um, we definitely have uh, you know spaces in the team that we need to strengthen more. So I wouldn't really be very interested in bringing him back if it means that. We'd have to lose out on another player, which is which is just going to be more important. Um, before we talk about Pochettino and, and uh, PSG, um, is there anyone you think you will bring in in possibly January and realistic? Um, there's not really any nailed on, but I think there's definitely a lot of interest has been e- expressed. Um, Marcel Sabitzer from Leipzig has been talked about and. Um, it was said earlier this month that Skriniar would be available for, I think, £45 million, which I think would be a great signing uh, because Inter are you know, kind of in need of money and would be willing to sell them. So I think both of those players would kind of be perfect signings um, to you know, instantly change the team and you know, hopefully make it so we can be a little bit more attacking when we play as opposed to just trying to defend for 90 minutes. Yeah, it was on... Going on to um, off Tottenham for a minute, PSG, obviously, they sat their manager, Thomas Tuchel, on, on Christmas Eve as well. They've been pouring um, in France. I think they're actually fourth in the in the French league now. Um, they're close to a point in Pochettino, which means, um, as we said, Christian Eriksen is on the um, want list of um, Pochettino at, at PSG as well. And I think they are in um, possibly a swap deal, as you said, for... It was the PSG um, midfield you said earlier, possibly into Paradez. Yeah, that could be a possible um, swap deal as well. And they also want Deli Ali as well from PSG. First of all, is Poch a good appointment at PSG if he goes there, considering what he's done at Southampton and especially Tottenham? And could you see possibly Deli Ali and uh, Christian Eriksen going there? Um, it's a little bit of an outside kind of a appointment. You know, you'd think. You know, they want, with their aspirations, they want proven winners. And that is kind of the opposite of what Pochettino is. But um, I think it is kind of an ambitious, uh, an interesting appointment, seeing as what you know, he's, he's doing and what his style of football is and his approach, you know, kind of, he's all about kind of developing and just kind of, it's interesting to think that every club he's been at, he's kind of risen the level of. And I think maybe, you know, can he do that at an even bigger club with even bigger aspirations? And especially... Obviously, it's unlikely he'll have loads of money to spend due to the pandemic, but seeing what he can do with a budget would also be very interesting. Um, I would really like Deli Ali to go there on a loan just because I think he needs his confidence back and I think the French League will be a perfect place for him to to get to get that uh, 
with something that he desperately needs in Ericsson, I think, would also be a good signing. And I think he, those are the kind of players that they need as, as well as, you know, some defenders, perhaps, maybe some fullbacks. Um, no, but I think, obviously, I'm glad to see him uh, employed and, more importantly, not employed at, you know, Premier League rival. And I think that is kind of what I'm most excited about. But also, Ochino getting some trophies and kind of the dream is him uh, getting loads of trophies at PSG and maybe the Champions League and then coming back to Spurs in five years. Yeah, I think um, Danny Rose was an outsider as well that could possibly um, go there. But as you said, they sacked um, PSG, sacked Thomas Tuchel, obviously. They're behind um, what Leon and Lille in the um, French League. 95 wins in 127 games um, with a percentage of 94.80%. Um, win rate as well, which isn't the best at, at PSG, really, considering they should be winning the French League. Um, and probably even challenging for the Champions League like they did um, last year. But it will be interesting. But going back on to the Premier League, Wolves then, um, Lloyd, they were interested in Real Madrid and Serbia striker Luka Jovic. That's going to the um, Athletic. Obviously, Real Madrid bought him from, was it Frankfurt, for about £60 million in 2019 in the summer. But he's only managed two goals in 32 games for Real Madrid. Is that a deal you could... Is that a realistic deal, do you think, Lloyd? Uh, I, yeah, I, I think it could happen. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how reliable it is, but I feel like they made luck to bring in another striker. It's because of him and his injury. But I'm not sure if they will. It's because they the purchase of Fabio Silva, which is probably more of a long-term purchase for £40 million for them. 18-year-old, I think. Maybe 19 now. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do look at a short-term option up front. And I think Real Madrid will probably let him go on loan as well. Yeah, I think um, was it? I think Fabio Silva is nineteen because he became their youngest scorer last week. I think in um, when they beat Burnley, I think he's their youngest scorer in the the Premier League. Um, yes, so I think he's nineteen. But it will be interesting to see, um, you know, if some of these deals we've talked about today do do happen as well, especially with PSG, and if they do get. Um, Pochettino in as well. Um, quickly then, before we end, it was midweek action from the Carabao Cup um, quarterfinals in the early game on um, Tuesday. Brentford beating Newcastle 1-0 to Silver scoring in the 66th minute. Um, their fourth Premier League scalp so far in the, um, the Carabao Cup as well. And I think it's their first ever um, quarterfinal, the first ever semi-final, sorry, that they've reached in a major competition. Um, in their history as well, which is quite impressive. Were you impressed by Brentford, Max, beating Newcastle? Um, yes uh, and no. I mean, the Brentford are a very good team, and I think Newcastle, whilst getting picking up results, have been relatively underwhelming. And um, I mean, it's always it's always impressive to see a Championship side be a, a Premier League side, no matter the situation surrounding it. Yeah, and then the second quarter final was between your team, Lloyd Arsenal and Man City. Um, 126 seconds it took for Man City to to score as well. Obviously, there was two an um, an experienced goalkeepers really in in goal. Zach Stefan, American for um, Man City, which arguably could have got sent off. And then you had Runnison in goals, obviously Icelandic goalkeeper as well. Um, start off with um, with Runnison. Then obviously he did make that mistake for. Um, for the Mares goal, do you expect him to 
to bounce back and maybe get some more games in Europa League now? Uh, yeah, probably. Like, like he's okay in the Europa League. Is like we spent like two million on him. We weren't expecting like an Emi Martinez quality backup goalkeeper. Like it, it, we got what we paid for, really. I think we could have made a smarter purchase. Like I know our goalkeeping coach recommended him. Uh, I think I think we should look more into him. See so if you look at the stats. I think in league in for Dijon, he was the was statistically the worst goalkeeper in the league. So I, I, it didn't really make sense on it, but we got we have what we have now. So I think he probably will get a few more games. He didn't really have the best performance. But, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it didn't really make sense to sign it. Now he isn't that good. So, and then, talking about the fixture, we got completely run over. But it, it was as expected. Like, it's Man City in the League Cup. They've won it, like, three years in a row. And there's no doubt they're probably going to win it for a fourth. Because they just, they have insane depth. And they go for it as well. Yeah, as well, as we said, Paul Wernerson, I think he did take a lot of stuff on, on social media, and I think he did delete his Twitter account as well, didn't he? Um, yeah. Which, you know, you can make a mistake, but I don't think you should have all, all that uh, um, abuse, really. But as we said, brilliant performance from Man City. who scored within the first, as I said, three minutes, and then Lacazette got you an equaliser in the 32nd minute before Mahrez scored in the 54th, Foden in the 59th, and Laporte in the 73rd, and I think um, you said about their impressive League Cup. They've not lost a League Cup tie in over four years now, um, which is outstanding, really, and really when you think about it. Um, as well, they're the first team to win four consecutive away games against Arsenal in all competitions since Chelsea in 1960 and 1965 when they did um, six in a row. So it probably wasn't really. Um, a shot there in the two quarterfinals on Wednesday as well. Tottenham won away at Stoke 3 1. Um, pretty much a, a good performance from Tottenham, really comfortably getting um, through that one. Please, with the performance, Max. Yeah, I mean, a couple of mistakes, especially for their goal, but they basically had nothing the entire game. And it was kind of, um, I mean, you know, great goal from Ben Davis as well. A fantastic header from. And a great finish from Kane, so all pretty good goals. Um, and yeah, I mean, comfortable performance, really. Yeah, as well. Um, Bale scored after 22 minutes, and then they got an equaliser through Thompson, and then Ben Davis scored in the 70th minute, and then Harry Kane scored in the 81st minute to prove that Tottenham can do it on a, a wet, windy, cold Wednesday night in Stoke. Um, <laughs> as well, and then it was um, the final quarter final was involved in my team, Man United. We won away at Everton 2 0. Um, we scored in the 88th minute through Edison Cavani, and then the 96th minute through Martial. Cavani could have probably should have got um, sent off, really, if we were um, to be brutally honest as well. But I think we were the better team as well. Obviously, we didn't have um, Aaron Rambasaka, Scott McTominay as well, due to injury. Obviously, scored against. All them goals against Leeds as well. And then Everton did, didn't also have um, James Rodriguez as well. So he was, um, especially for Everton, a few players that they were um, missing. But I suppose we were the, the dominant team and did deserve to go through. Do you agree, Lloyd, on that one? Uh, yeah, you, you did play a lot better. But then, but then again, like Cavani should have been sent off. And I yeah. think if he was sent off, Everton would have won. But um, obviously, Richarlison, he didn't play on the weekend because he was injured against Man United. He had a head injury. Is that a concern for Everton now, do you think? 
Uh, I definitely think it is, because especially with Rodriguez and Dini, still being out as well. There's a lot of creativity gone. So it will be interesting to see how they perform. Yeah, and for us, we've won 13 consecutive away matches against English top flight opponents, the longest run in the club history at, at the um, time it was. And Martial has scored two goals and delivered four assists in his last um, three games as well. Obviously, he couldn't really score at the time, and now um, he is starting to get a few more goals and assists. And as we said, Edison Cavani in away games for, for Man United, 223 minutes, four goals um, and one assist as well. He has been a pretty impressive um, signing so the semi-final draw was done um, straight after and the fixtures were then Tottenham play Brentford at Tuesday January the 5th at 7.45 and then the Manchester derby between Man United and Man City Wednesday January the 6th at quarter to eight same time as Tottenham Brentford and both them are on um, Sky Sports and like normal or normally they're over two legs um, but to save time and, and fixture congestions this year it is over um, and one leg was on. I think they moved the um, final back to just kind of they moved the final from February to April twenty um, fifth. So um, hopefully, fingers crossed, if all goes well, um, fans can return for the final in in April and have a, a bigger figure than you know two thousand four thousand that we're um, normally um, used to at the minute. Um, as well. So that's it for um, this week's St. Martin's Football Show. We'll be back next week. We'll be um, looking back at the last round of fixtures of 2020. We'll also have some awards to give out, including our Premier League team of the season, the best player, and our world team of the season. Some of the awards we'll be giving out and discussing. So um, thank you for listening. Enjoy the last Premier League rounds of fixtures, um, which are actually, before we go, we'll um, get them up you as as well um trying to think man united play walls the fixtures are crystal palace leicester monday the 28th um at three o'clock chelsea villa at half five everton man city at eight o'clock brighton arsenal at six burnley shaft united at six Southampton west ham at six west brom leeds at six o'clock man united walls at eight o'clock or them on tuesday then two games on wednesday tottenham v Fulham at six o'clock and newcastle Liverpool at um, 8 o'clock as well on the league table quickly then we forgot to do um, do this Liverpool top on 32 Everton 29 Leicester 28 Man United in 4th 27 after 14 games Tottenham 26 Man City in 6 26 points after 14 games 7th Aston Villa after 13 games 25 points Chelsea 25 Southampton 25 West Ham 22 Wolves 21 Leeds 20 Newcastle after 14 games on 18 points, then Palace are on 18, Arsenal 17, Brighton 13, Burnley after 14 games are on 13, and then the relegation zone is Fulham 11, West Brom 8 after that brilliant point against Liverpool, and Sheffield United is still yet to record a win, they're on um, two points. So as he said then, thank you for listening and goodbye. Mount looks more active. Leno's on his line. Mount is active. And uh, knows how close it was. Leno stretching desperately across. Yeah, just shaves the outside of the post. Barian striving to keep it in. Keep Arsenal looking forward here. Looking for what's been such a rarity for them in the Premier League this season. A goal. And uh, one certainly on through Tierney and a penalty. Michael Oliver had no doubts.
I don't think that's a penalty. But it's been coming, but I don't think it's a penalty. Is it a clear and obvious error? I, I think it's absolutely certainly not a penalty. Just over ten minutes to go to half-time, and Arsenal have the chance to take the lead against Chelsea, and they do! Lacazette made light of it, but there was plenty of pressure. It doesn't favour the right footer, but when you've just scored a goal, he scored in midweek as well, it could be the left foot of Jacker, an occasional weapon, and there it is, it's a wonderful weapon! It's swerved into the top corner, and Arsenal lead Chelsea by two goals to nil. Nice little combination there between Jacker and Lacazette. Released Bayerin. Saka, there was no real challenge from Chelsea, and look what's happened. Bukaya Saka has looped it over Mendy, and Arsenal lead by three goals to nil. Pulisic gives it to Hudson Adoy. That's good movement from the substitute, and it's put in this time by Heaven. The flag has gone up. Certainly not against Abraham, surely not. Disallowed. Oh, rewarded. Abraham onside. onside yeah. And. The goal is given. Got the Havertz in the middle as well. Oh, oh it's penalty. And, uh, I don't think you need to check it, just look at Mari's face. On the Mason Mount. Jorginho against Leno. And it's saved! And that's surely Chelsea's chance gone. Burnt Leno, part of the heroic Arsenal performance today. Through by Matip and it's fallen for Mane! And that is a crushing blow for West Bromwich Albion. Sadio Mane, who struggled for Premier League goals here, at Anfield this season, has won, and that's a real setback for Sam Allardyce and his team. Henderson's cross, Mane shows for it again. Already looking so sharp. You just see that run again. Always getting across people. That ball, Jordan Henderson, always looks for that. He knows he's got the players who'll make that run. Here's Sadio Mane, who's a goal for a counter-fruition. It's cleared by O'Shea to Wijnaldum. Henderson strikes it! And Johnston was watching and hoping, and his prayers were answered. Henderson. Mane with Furlong at his back. Again, he blocks the cross. Wijnaldum puts in another. Salah just got underneath it. Yeah, they haven't had enough players on the end of the crosses at times today. Liverpool, just have Salah there, which makes a little run in between two defenders. It was going to be difficult to really get it down. 
and it's cleared by Romain Sawyers and Grant is the target and he's just got the edge on the youngster Williams here and Carlin Grant is denied by Allison. The biggest moment of the match in front of goal for West Bromwich Albion and Allison kept his call to deny Carlin Grant. Oh, huge moment. Exactly what West Brom have wanted all day. That one moment, he just couldn't finish. Jai and O'Shea in there as the corner was pulled back to Sawyers and drifted in this time. Oh, it's off the inside of the post and in! And Semi Ajayi is the man who's got his first ever Premier League goal to stun Anfield. But they've been warned this had been coming. Looks like there could be a winner, but you're not quite sure who. Here's Mane. Oxlade Chamberlain with a cross, and Firmino's there! And what an extraordinary save! Wow. Oh, what a save that is. Brilliant goalkeeping. Makes more saves than anyone in the Premier League this season. Sam Johnston 